Good morning, friends. This fall, we've been looking at relationships. And we started off, we've been looking at relationships with God and with each other. We started off, I tried to persuade you to the best of my ability that it's perfectly rational to believe in an intelligent creator who loves us and got the universe, not only got the universe started, but sustains the universe by his work and his power and his love for us. We're not here by accident. And I told you, I just don't have enough faith to believe that we're here by accident. We're here as a result of a loving creator. And then we talked some more about how to relate to each other as human beings. Uh, For the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about life with God. Now, I've encouraged many of you to read a book called With. I'm not going to be preaching from that book. Actually, I found a really good book to preach one. It's got this black cover on it. And that's the book I'm going to be preaching from. But the book I've encouraged you to read with has got some biblical principles in it. But this is our foundation. This is what we're going for. Incidentally, if you're waiting for books, Lord have mercy. Uh, Amazon's slow. Download it. Share. And, uh, but you can follow the concepts. You don't really need it per se. I have a question for you. Just to get started, you can share this with your neighbor. What is the most important thing about a person? Think about it. What is the most important thing about a person? Is it their appearance, their finances, their health, their gender, their ethnicity? What? Discuss it with your neighbors for a minute, and then I'm going to ask you your feedback. What's the most important thing about a person? You got 60 seconds. On your mark, get set, go. Okay, now here's your opportunity to talk back to the camp, to the pastor, but be polite. Be polite. Use nice words. What kind of things? What things kind of came up? I'm not looking for. I'm just not looking for a right answer per se. But in your discussions, what came up is what is the most important thing about a person? Personality. Personality. Yeah. Some people have more than others. Yeah, you're right. Personality, that's good. I'm sorry? Their soul. Their soul, right. They're spiritual, yeah. Spirit. Their heart, okay. Their will to do God's will. Their will to do God's will, okay. Anything else? Character, the way they treat people, yeah. Personal hygiene. There's a medical professional for you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. That's... You know, that's an underrated thing. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Especially when you go in these praise services with your arms up. Okay, sorry. Okay, let's get back on track. What, anything else come up? I'm sorry? Honesty and attitude. Okay, honesty, attitude, those are good things. Yeah. I'm sorry? The way they relate to others. Thank you. And over here? The ability to accept people no matter what. That's beautiful. Okay. 
In integrity. All right. Let me run by a quote by you, and let's chew on this for a little bit. This is from a man who actually preached here in this church. A.W. Tozer, and he said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let's unpack that for a minute, because that's quite a mouthful. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And why did Tozer say this? Tozer said this because this ultimately determines not just our destiny, but determines really shapes our life where it is now. So what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Some of us have been following Jesus for a long time. Some of us not so long. And some of us are still kind of nibbling around the edges, not exactly sure where we're at. We're kind of looking at the party, but not sure if we're ready. We're not sure. We're dabbling our toes in the pool, but not ready for a leap into the deep end. That's all right. God accepts us where we're at right now. Obviously, he loves us enough not to leave us where we are, but he does accept where we're at today. Now, some of us who have been following Jesus for a long time or a relatively short time, we feel like things aren't going quite, quite meeting our expectations. And we're wondering, what's with this following Jesus stuff? How do we relate to God? Let me take you on a little trip to Ravenna, Italy. We're going to look at a very famous building called the Gala Placidia. It was built in the 5th century AD by the Roman emperor for his sister, sort of as a mausoleum. It's built in the shape of a cross with a vaulted ceiling, but the windows are so small, it's really hard to see, which is really sad because there's beautiful mosaics, amazing mosaics in there. And usually it's quite crowded with smelly tourists. And there's not a lot of ventilation in there. So you're kind of living life in the dark. But every once in a while, here's the building. So when you go inside, you see how small the windows are? You go inside, it kind of looks like this. But every once in a while, you hear the click of some coins in a coin box. Wow. And then the lights go on for a while. And then they go off again. And someone puts some more euros, I suppose, in the box. And wow, you see another vista of the beautiful mosaics. And then, eh. And then, tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. Wow, you see some more. You see how beautiful. You see why people want to go there. But unfortunately, the light's on on all the time. So you get little glimpses of the beauty of this building. Then you're left in the dark with all the smelly tourists again. It's kind of disappointing. People are wondering, what's with this? What's with this Christianity stuff? Because... it seems like the lights go on for a while. Our experience with God can be like that, kind of there in the smelly darkness. It's definitely overwhelming. And once in a while, we get a flash of, ah, this is what it's meant to be like. But how do we connect with God in the first place? You ask anybody wandering down Portage Avenue, or perhaps even in here, some people say, well, there's many ways up the mountain, right? Many ways. That's the classic traditional, common, Canadian spiritual smorgasbord approach to spirituality. 
a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and ah, we'll all end up at the same place anyway. I mean, we're tolerant, right? Don't get me wrong. It's good that we have freedom of religion in Canada. I'm not arguing against that. But sometimes we can be so open-minded, our brains fall out. And, oh, I hope I didn't offend you by saying that. But people say, I remember having a conversation with a guy till about 5 o'clock in the morning when I was in university a guy from a Hindu background and we were going back and forth and back and forth and from his tradition says oh there's many ways up the mountain but you're all going to make it to the top doesn't matter what your path is it's a little hard to argue with that because it sounds so tolerant and open minded and I'm thinking ah it doesn't quite jive with me Actually, you flip the mountain around like this, and it looks more like this. There's a common starting point for religions. A common starting point. There are similarities in our religions, but if you study them carefully and respectfully, they go off in wild, wildly divergent paths. Why do you think there's so much conflict over what people believe? It's because we're not all going to end up in the mountain together. It's not logical. It doesn't make sense. There is a common starting point, though, for religions. And that also feeds into our relationships. It's all about the common starting point is fear and control. We're afraid of life. Life is nasty and unpredictable. And we want to control it. We want to control our circumstances. So we figure out some way to ensure that we get what we need in life. And so we start building rules. Not just principles, but rules. This is how you make sure that you are okay. And it started off fairly primitively by saying, we want the crops to succeed. We don't want a plague. We don't want a flood. We want the bombers to win. All these things, you know. And so we start off trying to control our circumstance. Well, that doesn't really work for us, does it? Especially in a relationship. People who try to follow God typically approach following God from different, four different postures, okay? The triangle in this symbol is meant to, to represent God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? Some people approach God, a life under God. They think, if I follow God's rules, if I do what he wants, then he will bless me. And that's true. But their primary motivation is basically trying to make God or manipulate God bless them because they are following rules. And it tends to be very legalistic, very burdensome. And you've probably met some people in your life like that. They crush themselves and other people under God's good laws. Some people live life from God. They're interested in God just for what they can get from Him. Um, and they, they, they kind of take what they can get. They treat Him like a vending machine and, and uh, off they go. Some people, you would think this would be good, live life for God. And that, that's a good thing, but they spend so much time wrapped up in working for God or doing things for Him that they forget totally why they're in a relationship in the first place. And some people end up living life over God. They figure, you know, I'm going to control God. 
I'm going to make things happen. If I follow these principles in the Bible, he will have to bless me automatically. And they literally live life without him. What God is really calling us to is life with him. Now, let me give you the big picture from the Bible, all right? The big picture. Take a deep breath. It's only 1125, and we've got lots of time because we're going to go from Genesis to Revelation like this. You're getting a little worried. Genesis 1. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, this is from Genesis 1. Is that a typo there? Who's doing the creating? Who's the us? Pardon? God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? The takeaway from this is that God, God in three persons, guess what? We're going to sing that song to close off. Just a little spoiler alert. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed in a community of love before the world was even created. God wasn't lonely or bored or needed a hobby before he created the universe. He did it out of love. And one of the ways that we are like God in his image is that we are relational beings. We are created to be in relationship. 